The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. share that was a word stirring in his heart that I believe is definitely stirred by the Holy Spirit and I'd like for him to share it directly with you this morning. Thank you. Good morning everybody. Uh, so I know this is a small looking group. Um, I was kind of surprised to get this this morning so here we go. We're standing, sitting, singing, praising in a geographically significant location. I don't know why this particular hilltop is important, but for some reason it is. When we first moved out here many years ago, there was a, a vote, and uh, we moved out this way. There was a, a prayer session in this parking lot before we ever took possession of the building. I was not excited to be coming out here. Um, I was actually one of the two no votes. So as we're praying in this parking lot, the Lord puts this vision in my head of a manifested presence, like a, a beam of white light coming down, or some kind of whatever light. And we're leading people to it and parking their cars and helping them when they're finished and having those kind of things. And this morning I'm reminded of that strongly. We call that revival. So if you would, with me this morning, can we stir up this spirit of revival that seems to be in us today, that seems to be stirring in this place today? And you remember that it is our God who says, paraphrasing, if you will kindly permit me, don't be concerned about the size of the seed, look at the size of the tree. So this is a very small seed, but we're a very huge tree. And this revival that is possible is not just a local thing. It's not a tent meeting. It's a season that will come. And it will change the face of Abilene. People will come from around the country. People will come from some foreign countries just to be in the presence of God. And it's nothing that we do. We just park the cars and open the doors and say, come right in here, and we'll be right here if you need us when you're done. I know it sounds crazy. So if, you would, if, you're, if you're willing to pray with you on that, I'd love it this morning. Would you mind standing for that one? It's okay. Father God, we come to you with a, a prayer of support of what we believe is your idea. And we tell you that we support the raising up of your spirit in this place, Lord God, in this physical location. We are more than willing to park the cars, bring people Kleenex, support them. Release your love on them, Lord God, as we can in our physical realm. 
and that we will be so honored to assist you as you do what you're going to do to change the face of Abilene socioeconomically, to do miracles that are just unthinkable, and that when that season is over, we will not allow this place to become a dead shrine. We will not serve crumbs of yesterday's bread, but we will support the next place you visit, Lord God, with our full energy as we did this place. Father, we ask that this spirit would travel from this place to every congregation in Abilene today, and that, there, that we, we know, God, without doubt, there are hundreds, if not thousands, <clears throat> of hearts feeling this call today. And so through the un, non-understandable power of the Holy Spirit, we reach out to those hearts and those minds and we say, yes, you're right, you have a place. You are a part of what God is doing and will do. And we're thankful for you, brothers and sisters in Christ. We ask these things in Jesus' name. We look forward to this exciting day. Amen. You guys can be seated. I didn't know if bring them the tissue was code, so I reached down and grabbed these. Did you? <laughs> God. That was a little bit emotional. Let me tell you something. For those of you that don't know, uh, Doug traveled to Abilene as a part of the original church plant here and has a lot of awareness of the, the things that God stirred years and years, and we're talking decades ago. And those things are things that uh, are so secure as, as true in what God has is, is called us to do uh, in his heart, and I share them in my heart as well, and, and, and many of you who are present here also are, are aware of those things and share them in your heart. It's exciting to have those things stirred, and I believe that we're meant to stir those things uh, uh, not only in our own hearts and lives, but in, in, in the hearts of those around us as a form of encouragement. And, uh, you know, when you have a, a group, leave it to God to stir a word like that. When, you're, when you have a group a size like this and he's calling for valet parking, you know, <laughs> But that's how God works, and I think it's important to, to stir those things in your, your thought life and your prayer life. Our culture does the opposite. Our culture wants to find those things in existence and call those things anointed when really the anointing brings those things into existence where they're not. And, and it's, it's a countercultural thing, but it's very much a kingdom thing to see God's spirit move. And those are things that uh, are important for us to remind one another to stir and then participate in. I remember hearing a teaching of an individual, uh, he's, he's not from the States here, but he talked about building in the Spirit. And it was kind of an interesting teaching, you know, and anytime you deal with intercession and, and intercessors and things, you can deal with things that are, are outside of the cultural norm. But he just talked about how he would sit in his, in his times of prayer and in his heart and mind, ask God to stir visions of, of the things to come. And he would seek God for things. Many of you are familiar uh, with a, a minister who, who comes through here. Hopefully we'll be seeing him again this year, and that's Nigel uh, from Australia, Nigel McNeil. Well, Nigel talked about when he was pastoring, building things in the Spirit and, and seeking God for, uh, for revival and specifically signs and wonders. Now, not becoming those that simply chase those things, but wanting to see those things because those are things that, that people are drawn to. When Jesus said, this generation seeks a sign, it wasn't an insult. 
He wasn't slamming a group of people like you bunch of losers. If you had some faith, you wouldn't care about that. You'd just love God. But rather, he was acknowledging a truth. This generation needs to see something because they've heard it all. And without seeing God's movement in power, it's going to be very difficult for people to get on board with what God's doing. And, and I hear that and I think, well, then let there be signs and wonders. And Father, if I am to, to be a catalyst for those things, then let it be so for your glory. And, and I think as we stir those things in the body and in one another, and, and as we continue to encourage, encourage one another toward revival and understand our call and our role in those things, it, it's absolutely unstoppable. When we do our part, the rest is 100% up to God. And I think that's just a phenomenal word to share, and it's a, a, a joy to be here this morning with you as those things are, are stirred out there. Uh, I want to get into the word now, and I want to, to trust and believe God for great things for us here. Uh, we, we've turned over a new year. This new year is, we're, we're already, you know, halfway through the month of January. I mean, it's, it's already begun. I thought last year flew by, and I'm concerned this year is going to be even worse as it concerns uh, time going by so quickly. Uh, but we're here in the middle of January, and, and sometimes I think in the States we, we do things a little backwards, you know, I mean... In, in other parts of the world, as the new year approaches, there's a lot of preparation for the new year. Well, we have a lot of holidays that come at the end of our year, and then the next thing you know, bang, it's Happy New Year, and you're, you're neck deep in it, two weeks in it, and you're thinking, what would I like to see this year? Well, the year's started. I want to give some, some tips here for, for success in a new year, advancement in a new year. And when I say advancement, I think you can apply advancement in, in any aspect of your life, for things to improve, for things to grow, for things to mature, for things to, to move in a forward trajectory or an upward trajectory in a very beneficial way. So here's a few things that we're going to find in the Word as we get into the Word. One, what we can ask God for. Now, I love different portions of the Scripture for the, the revelation that they bring, not just in the content, but in the event. Now, the content would be the things that are being spoken, the words that are being spoken. The event would be what's going on. So like the Psalms, when you, when you see the psalmist cry out in prayer, well, the content is the prayer that he's praying. The event is, is, is the prayer itself. So the words that he's speaking are the content, but the idea that he's praying is the event. And when you see these things, you can, you can learn as much from the event as you can from the content. So what you'll find here, if that was a little confusing, forgive me, is that this is an element that we can bring into our own lives. There's an, a prayer that we can pray that's biblical, and it's a wonderful thing to introduce into our life. We'll see what that is. Uh, another thing we're going to find is who loves us at all times. Now, when you're in a church environment, most of the time, you know, we default to, to certain things, and it's, it's not going to be what you might be defaulting to, we're going to find out who uh, is going to love at all times in this message. A third thing that we're going to find is, is the key to advancement. Now, that's what we've been talking about. You know, the key to, to advancement and, and things moving in a, a good direction, a, a positive direction, a prosperous direction, there's going to be a key to that that we'll close with here. Uh, so I want to get started here, what we can ask God for. Now, remember, there's, there's content and there's event. There's the words that are being spoken, and then there's the event in which they're being spoken. And we have a, a prayer from the Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 118. I want to look at, at a few passages here from Psalm 118. 
uh, beginning in verse 24. So Psalm 118, the psalmist is in prayer. That prayer is a, a communication to, to God the Father. And in that, it opens up with, with this, where we start anyway in verse 24, this expression of, of gratitude and celebration, a surrender to God's sovereignty. It opens up with, with words that are probably familiar to you. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Um, how many of you remember this psalm set to music? I mean, so there used to be a, 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 a series, a, a time in which uh, worship sets were uh, one beat. Like we used, to, we used to say you could just train a monkey to play the drums, right? Because there was just one beat through the whole worship set, you know? Yeah, this is the day, this is the day that the, yeah, and then, you know, the song would change, but the beat wouldn't. Let God arise. Yeah, and it just was one beat all the way through the worship set, and the songs would just kind of flow with it. Well, I remember those songs, and, and you know, I love the advancement of, of music and, and the songs that we sing. They're very gifted artists that are producing really wonderful and powerful worship. It, but those songs, though they might be dated in their, their format, the words are the word of God, and they're very timeless. What's really amazing to me is the songs I find myself singing uh, in times of distress or frustration, maybe disappointment or celebration, and oftentimes it's the oldies that I draw on. Now, that may just be because of my exposure. Maybe those were days when certain windows were open for, for development in, in my, my youth and things like that. But a song like this is a powerful song to, first of all, confess Today is, is sovereignly orchestrated by God. It's a wonderful and powerful confession to make. And then to follow that up with the surrender of the will. I mean, just that next statement, I will. Those are powerful words. I will rejoice and be glad in it. it it's it's a, a, an, an effort by the psalmist here to confess that this will be something that's done intentionally. Maybe things aren't going the way that he's planned. Maybe things aren't going the way that he's wanted to. But he will bring himself to a place of rejoicing and gratitude. Now, this is really an important thing to note for the purpose of the prayer that's taking place. One, acknowledging God's sovereignty. And then two, surrendering to it. Not just simply acknowledging that God is, is in a position of authority. I mean, even the, the demons would do that, but then coming to a place where you surrender your will to it. I understand and know that you're in charge, and I will rejoice in that and be glad in it. I will bring myself to a point where, where I will not let disappointment or frustration dictate my, my thoughts, my feelings, uh, it will not win and rule, rather your sovereignty will. And then after this preparation of the heart and preparation of the mind comes this prayer released in the form of, of a request. It, the word is, is beseech that's used. It's, it's this crying out for uh, favor, this crying out for effort on our behalf. So the next, uh, let me just start from where we're at. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Followed now by this request, O Lord, do save. We beseech you, O Lord, do send prosperity. Send prosperity. If you go into a concordance for that word prosperity, you'll find uh, synonyms like advancement or success. Uh, so you could add a word like promotion in there. 
Now, it's a wonderful thing to see that this is a biblical prayer. I mean, there have been times before where, where I have felt like in asking God for success in a matter that perhaps my heart was not in the right place or perhaps there was some element of, of self-seeking. But when I see in here that the preparation of the heart is, first of all, to acknowledge that God is in charge, secondly, surrender to his authority, then come to the place where you seek his advancement and success manifest in and through your life. This is a wonderful and biblical prayer. And it's a prayer that can be applied to any aspect of life. I want to see success in every single part of my life. I want to see success in my own morality. I want to see success in raising my children. I want to see success in my marriage. I want to see success in my friendships and in my relationships. I want to see success in business. You name it, I want to see God's success in it. So what I see here in the Psalms is something that can be applied to every single aspect of my living. And what's really amazing is, is what comes even after this verse. Now, I don't have it in my notes, but if you've turned there in your Bibles, you're probably going to see that it's a declaration of God's sovereignty. This is the day that the Lord's made. It's a surrender. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Then it's a request. God, save us. We beseech thee. Send success now or send prosperity. And then there is a statement, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, this is an, a very interesting passage of Scripture because Jesus quotes this passage of Scripture. Now, there's no passage of Scripture that is without power or purpose. But when you hear Jesus quote something, it's best to take a look at what he's saying. Jesus quotes this passage of Scripture when he's exposed all legalism to the Pharisees. He makes this statement as he cries out for those whom he sent to save. He watches over Jerusalem and he says to Jerusalem, Oh, I wished I could just gather you up like a mother hen would gather her chicks under his wing, or her wing, excuse me. The little gender issue with the chickens there. He makes this, this statement, which is a really passionate uh, statement of love and affection, wanting to, to go and bring solution to problems. And then he makes the, the, the declaration or the statement that you will not see me here again until you learn to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, when I read that passage of scripture, I read that and I think, I want to learn to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want to add that to my life. I want to see Jesus moving in every aspect of my living. Everything that was on that list earlier, whether it is, is uh, morality, whether it is in family, whether it is in marriage, whether it is in business, I want to see Jesus present in those, those aspects of my life. Therefore, I want to be one who is capable of crying out with sincerity, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the day which the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God, do save, send advancement, send success, send prosperity, send Jesus. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And as we look on this new year, there's a number of things where we desire to see God move, where we desire to see the success that is promised in Jesus in the life of every single believer. I want to give you some elements that that we can bring into existence in our lives for the purpose of facilitating the magnification of Jesus and success in our lives. Some of them are things that we bring into our lives. Some of them are things that we purge from our lives. But all of them are things that the Bible uh, speaks of for the purpose of bringing us to a place of advancement. 
I want to give a, a list of some things here, and we'll look in some scripture. And we're going to trust and believe God for a very successful, uh, advancement-filled 2022. Uh, one, surround yourself with the right people, the right attitudes. Now, we're a small group here, and I would encourage you to, to be involved in the service. I heard my wife chuckle when I said that, and I know why. Attitude can be a real challenge for me. Now, I know most of you are thinking, no, you, no. I'm a pretty intense person. I'm a pretty confident person. So my views and perspectives, there's, there's never really been a, a wondering if my opinion is, is right or wrong. I'm pretty confident that it's right. And oftentimes, I think other people should get on board with that. That's kind of a natural default. Now, this is a dangerous way to live your life. I mean, it, it's, it's the kind of thing that you don't boast about or brag about, but rather it's the kind of thing that you spend your life seeking God to minister to. It, it's, it's the kind of thing that needs to be surrendered because it can land you in a world of hurt. In fact, it can lead to a place like arrogance or pride, and those are places of destruction and, and misery. So when you're in a situation where there's a need for the right attitude, I think it's important to turn to the scripture for instruction, to learn what attitudes are, are productive, uh, to understand and to know uh, what uh, attitudes need to be present, to know what attitudes need to be uh, surrendered or revisited or, or purged from our lives. Let me give you a couple of passages of scripture here to help as we pursue advancement and success together. Proverbs 22, uh, I want to look at uh, verses 24 and 25. Based on what I've got here, this is what it reads. Do not associate with a person given to anger or go with someone that loses their temper. You will learn their ways and you will find yourself in trouble. So here's a, another translation as it concerns the trouble at the end of that. Do not associate with a man or a person given to anger or a person given to lo lose their temper. You will learn their ways, and you will find a trap for yourself. So this gives me pause then to evaluate the, the attitudes of the people that I'm around. I mean, if there are people who are hot-headed, they lose their temper, they're given to anger, based on this passage of Scripture, I will learn their ways. Now, there have been plenty of times where I've thought, you know, I'm a mature person. I can filter that out. I can, I can handle that. And I can tell you that in the end, this passage of Scripture has, has been true every single time in my life. The more that I've been around and exposed to, to anger, the more that I've been around and exposed to the losing of, of the temper, the more that I've seen those things rub off on me rather than to see my grace or my coolness rub off on them. You could take this to another level, too, where it's not just about the company that you keep, but rather it's simply about what you're exposed to. Now, I am, am, am of a, a weird age. Some of you are, are before where I'm at now. Some of you are after where I'm at now. But let me tell you about this weird age that I'm in. I'm at this weird age where I remember a lot of the music that I once listened to or, or those things, and now that's different today. And on occasion, you'll hear something from the past, and you'll think, wow, that brings back some memories. So maybe you'll indulge it, and then you'll realize, yeah, I know now why I don't listen to that anymore. That happened to me, it was months and months ago, 
But I'd heard a portion of a song in a store. It was playing in a store in the background. And I thought, wow, that was a really talented band. And so I had an opportunity where I, I put some music on. I was able to select the music because of the technology we had today and put that music on, and I listened to it. And all of a sudden, I thought, man, I am one angry guy right now. The words, the, 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 the song, everything about it was, was, was depressing and filled with anger. And what was really funny was it started to rub off on me. We need to be careful what we expose ourselves to. Based on the passage here from Proverbs, it will have an influence on you. I'll give you another passage of Scripture here involving those things, and it's, it's from the, the book of James. James uh, verse one, or chapter 1, verse 20, is a call to, to be careful about letting you know, anger and that, those attitudes in your lives that will affect our ability to accomplish what God has called us to. It says the anger of man will never achieve the righteousness of God. And then there's a call for us to, to rather wage war against those attitudes with, with being willing to hear and, and being slow to speak. It's a really important thing for us to surround ourselves with the right attitudes, and that will mean putting up a firewall against those that are losing their temper and that are angry. We do have a call to minister to those individuals. We do have a call to see those individuals set free. But when we expose ourselves continually to those attitudes and those actions, they'll have an effect. Here's another tip for a new year of success and advancement, and that's have desires. I mean, this is an important thing. I remember watching my wife early in our marriage write things down, and it was, it was foreign to me. I had never really done that before. Uh, and I would watch her write things down, and, and it would be uh, interesting to me. Now, in this case specifically, it was, it was in her bookkeeping and things. She would write things. In fact, there was a passage of Scripture that was written on the front of her notebook where she kept our, our household books. That passage of Scripture was one uh, about you know, surrendering to God's will and God bringing blessing into your life. And it was a really interesting thing. But what she had written down there, I remember seeing that and thinking, well, that's cute. And today, I look at that and I think, that's smart. This is something that you are longing for and you are putting it in front of your face. This is a place that you visit frequently. This is the book that you visit on a, a daily basis, a weekly basis. And you can't even open the cover without exposing yourself to that which you desire. And that's a really powerful thing. I'll give you a passage of scripture here from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2.10 talks about writing down the vision so that people can run with it. Write down the vision so that people can bring it to pass. Write down the things that you're wanting to see come to pass so that you can devote your life to seeing those things into fruition. Write those things down. Uh, here, here's a passage of, of scripture that I think is important to take notes of, and that, or take note of, excuse me, Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. Now, we could sit and just pick apart this one passage and, and use all of our time, and I'd rather just give a quick comment on that. What this passage of scripture in delighting yourself in the Lord is calling us to, it's aligning ourselves with the things that make God happy, the things that please him. And all of those desires that we would then have, God will be pouring those things into our life. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, when I read that passage of scripture, it's, it's very hard not to be distracted by the fact that God is bringing things into your life. 
But the thing that I think is the most important passage, in, or the most important word in that passage, excuse me, is the word desires. I mean, how can God give you the desires of your heart if you don't have any desires in your heart? There's a need for us to, to have a, a, a goals and to have vision and to have those things that we want to see God bring into existence in our lives so that those things can then be established, like Habakkuk said, write it down, and so that our life can be given to seek God for those things to come into existence, aligned with what pleases him to bring him honor and to bring him glory. I'll give you another passage of scripture here that's meant to stir excitement and understanding. It's, it's a two-way street here. Uh, Proverbs 13, 12, it, it, it says, Hope deferred will make the heart sick, but rather desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I mean, when you think about that, that's pretty awesome. If you've ever set a goal in your life and you've achieved that goal, you probably felt good. I know there, there's never been a goal that I set that I then achieved and then felt really bad. But to achieve a goal is to come to a point of success. If desire fulfilled is a tree of life, I want to hang out there a lot. Which means, one, I need to have desires. Two, they need to be coming to fruition. I need to have goals, and we need to be meeting those goals. Now, when it comes to goals, there's something just kind of interesting to me. And it may not translate or communicate well. I hope it does. Have you ever found yourself where you just felt kind of exhausted? You know, like, like someone maybe will ask, you'll go into the, the, the bank or a place of business, you know, and they'll say, hey, uh, uh, how's it been? You, you, you've been busy? And you'll think, yeah, I've been busy. But, and they'll say, well, that's good. And you'll think, well, not really. <laughs> it's not that kind of busy. It's the other kind of busy, you know. But, but there's a difference between running a race and running around. And when I ask myself, well, what's the difference between running a race and running around? The difference is a finish line, a goal, that point that you are looking to get to. And, and for us in our lives, as we spend our energy and we spend our time running without goals, we're not running a race, we're simply running around. And when we find ourselves where we're spending all of our energy, our time is gone, and yet there's nothing to show for it, we need to ask ourselves, well, was I running somewhere specific? Was there a goal set? Was something identified that is the desire, that place of achievement where we are looking to get, the reason why we're spending our energy, the reason why we're spending our time, the reason why we're living our lives the way that we're living, in order to achieve what? We need to be able to define those things. I often saw in the scripture uh, the angel of the Lord or, or, or Jesus Christ himself approach someone and ask, what do you want me to do for you? Whether it's the spirit of the Lord speaking to Solomon or whether it's Jesus speaking to a blind man, that question has always intrigued me. And I've asked myself, if Jesus stood in front of me right now and said, son, what do you want me to do for you? Could I answer that? I think it's important for us to have those answers in our heart to have desires so that God can fulfill those things, so that our lives can be moved to achieve those things, so that we can run the race, as Paul states it, and not just run around. Uh, I want to give you a, another element here that's a really important one as we pursue advancement and success, and that's to filter your friends. Filter your friends. Now, this is a, a one that we've talked about before. We've talked about relationships often in, in different messages and different 
uh, services, but I think this is really important as we pursue success. I mean, friendship is a, a really wonderful and powerful thing, and it's important for us to acknowledge what the scripture says about it in order to pursue advancement and success. Specifically, here's an a, a amazing passage from the Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. Proverbs 18, 24, it says, A man of many friends comes to ruin. Not quite what I expected when you're getting into the verse. You know, you're a couple of words into it, and you just think, A man of many friends has it made. A man of many friends is one popular dude. A man of many friends has no issues. But rather, the scripture, as it's bringing truth into our lives, tell us, tells us that a man of many friends comes to ruin. It's intriguing to think about. I mean, it, it makes the, the mind either hit a brick wall or take off thinking all kinds of thoughts. And in my case, it's both. First of all, it hits a brick wall and says, well, I wasn't expecting that. And then it provokes a lot of thoughts to find out, well, why would that be the case? I can tell you in my life why that's the case. Relationships require you. Friendship will always require you. There's only so much you. If you spread yourself too thin... It's going to be problematic. Now, we live in a culture that loves that. I mean, with the, the advent of, of social media now, people having thousands of friends will end up coming to ruin in the moment in which they truly need a biblical, wonderful, and powerful friendship. And friendship is really a powerful thing in the Scripture. In fact, friendship is where the most powerful things are manifest. Let me give you a passage of Scripture to prove this. Jesus is speaking in John 15, 13, and he says, No greater love. What he's talking about is this is the most powerful thing ever. No greater love can be displayed than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Friendship is such a powerful relationship, it's the place where the most powerful manifestation of love can be manifest. That's pretty interesting to me. I mean, if I were writing that based on, on you know, culture and knowledge, I would think, well, no greater love could there be than this, that a man lay down his life for God. Or no greater love could there be than this, that a man lay down his life for his wife. Or no greater love, which he should, by the way, honey, wink, wink, okay. And no greater love could there be that the man lay down his life for his children. But yet Jesus, as he's revealing truth to us, reveals the power of friendship. And we ought to take note of that, that friendship is a powerful point of fellowship. It's where the greatest manifestation of love takes place. No greater love can there be than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Your friends are important. Now, we talked about attitudes, and, and these are going to kind of run together here as we move forward. But Corinthians 15.33 says, don't be deceived. Bad company will corrupt good morals. I mean, friendship needs to be a place where the greatest manifestation of love is taking place. Not a place where there's, you know, a good time to be had and a few compromises here and there are okay because I've got it under control. But rather, this is the place where the love of God is manifest. Uh, Deuteronomy 13.6 is a really interesting passage to me. Now, we're taking a part of this passage for the purpose of this message. You're welcome to go and visit the whole uh, area of the passage for context. But it talks about relationships that are in people's lives. Here's how it reads here from, from 13.6. Your brother, you know, you love your brother. It's your mother's son. 
uh, your own son or daughter, the wife that you cherish. And then it mentions your friend or your friend who is as your own soul. That's pretty interesting to me. I mean, it talks about children. It, it talks about siblings. It talks about spouses. And then it talks about friends. And it's the friend that the Bible makes sure and identifies as this powerful relationship that is as your own soul. I mean, I have some thoughts on that, and I think it's, it's worth discussing. But this isn't a message on friendship. It just happens to be a part of the message that we are, are receiving this morning. And I can tell you, I didn't pick my siblings, right? I didn't pick my brother. I love my brother. We're really different. And if he ever comes around for Thanksgiving, you better believe the furniture's getting moved and we're going to wrestle. And I'm going to win. It's just the way it's going to be. But I didn't pick him. I, I didn't pick him. Uh, uh, sons and daughters. I love my sons. If I could pick them, these are the two guys I would pick, hands down. I tell them that all the time. I'm so proud to be your father, and I'm so glad that you're my children. But I, I didn't pick them. That was, that was the work of God. And then you, you, your wife, whom you cherish. Now, many people will think that I picked her, but, but that's really not how it goes. I mean, look at the beginning with Adam and Eve. Adam didn't pick Eve. Adam went through all of creation and couldn't find anything or anyone, excuse me, suitable for him. And then God designed her for him. God's still in the business of designing spouses. And it's important for us not to bow down to the culture that says go and pick. Just swipe to the right or swipe to the left. But rather trusting God. God is at work. And it's a wonderful thing. In fact, when, when we were engaged, you know where I'm going with this, right? Are you cringing? This didn't really boost my ego, okay? And you got to understand, I thought I was hot stuff. Still do, just a little bit, right? I remember when we were engaged, it was a wonderful and powerful thing. I'll share the story with you. Some, many of you have probably already heard it, but it was a really wonderful and powerful thing. That's for another time. I mean, there was, there was miraculous involvement of the Holy Spirit. It was really incredible. And even with all of that miraculous confirmation, I remember having a, a conversation in which I found something out that, that uh, interestingly enough, after the proposal of marriage was accepted, right, Ash was in prayer, and in her conversation with God says, uh, God, he's not who I would pick. Let's have a moment of silence and let that sink in. Ouch, right? It's like, well, what were you looking for? I mean, like, God, he's not who I would pick. But here's what's amazing, and here's what's encouraging, and here's what's true. What God spoke back to her. He's who I pick for you. Don't forget that. But that's really interesting to me. So, I mean, you can say, like, well, I don't, you know, I know I don't pick my siblings, and, and I know, you know, I, I don't pick uh, uh, these, these relationships, those relationships. Even this in the, the Scripture, your spouse, I mean, uh, God is at work in those relationships. But there's one thing that we do have a say in, and that's why they are as our own soul, and that's your friends. My friends, 
The people that I choose to relate to in friendship are people that I choose to relate to in friendship. That's why that relationship is so incredibly powerful. That's why that relationship has such devastating results when it's inappropriate and such powerful results when it's righteous and biblical. It's really where the greatest manifestation of love, according to Jesus, is manifest. And let me give you a couple more passages of Scripture to, to confirm this. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. This sounds like something you get in your fortune cookie, right? But what this means is that those whom are not, who are not your friends, excuse me, when they come and they flatter and they say things and they give you all of these praises... That's not a good thing. But even when your friend comes to you and says things that hurt, that's a good thing. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. When a friend comes and brings correction, when a friend comes and, and brings a, a new uh, way of looking at things, these things might sting a little bit, but because it comes from a friend, it's powerful. And there's a reason for that. And I'll give you that reason here. Psalm 17, 17. I told you before we're going to find who loves at all times. Now, the Sunday school answer to that is Jesus. But let me give you this passage of Scripture from the psalm, Psalm 17, 17. A friend loves at all times. That ought to make us realize the power of friendship. Those relationships that are selected and chosen to be embraced and to walk in lockstep as your own soul, friendship is a powerful thing. And when it is embraced in righteousness in a biblical way, it is the place where love is manifest in the most powerful way, according to Jesus, who said no greater love has this than that one would lay down his life for his friends. So filter your friends. Ask yourself, is this relationship a relationship in which the greatest manifestation of love exists? Is this a relationship in which there are faithful wounds? Is this a relationship in, in which there is the manifestation or the catalyst for the love that God would call? Is this a relationship in which my morality is built up? Or is this a place in which my morality is compromised? Bad company will corrupt good morals. Here's another one for us as we move forward. We're wrapping up here with, with two quick ones, and it's have teachers. Have teachers. Have teachers. I mean, I remember when I was, was younger, before I was married, before I found out that I wasn't who she would pick, you know. I have to squeeze that in there as many times as I can. I remember the people that I hung out with. I mean, here I was, some you know, 20-year-old kid, 21, 22. But all of my friends were, were, were older people in their, 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 their 50s and their 60s. Now, that's not old, but they were older than me. And they were successfully married people. I was intentional about that. One, I genuinely loved these people. But two, I saw what they had in their life and I wanted that in my life. And therefore, I was going to expose myself to as much of it as I possibly could. And one of our challenges here in our current culture is we kind of fly birds of a feather. Even in our churches, it's like, well, let's put all of our youth over here, all of our kids over there, all of our old people over there, all of our singles over here, all of our marrieds over here, all, and, and, and they just kind of have all the same stuff that they offer each other, but God's called us to walk in diversity. In fact, biblically, let the older teach the younger, look up to those that have achieved those things and then imitate them. 
We've been force-fed all of these books on leadership and, and being unique and, 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 and being diverse and being creative and all of those things are wonderful things. If you walked into the Christian bookstore and said, I'd like to find your section on leadership, they'd say, well, we've got these six shelves over here that are packed with being innovative and being leaders. And if I said, well, I'd like to, to find your section on imitating people, copying people, they'd probably say, we don't have any. But the scripture calls us to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. And I've devoted my life to looking around to find people that have inherited the promises of God. And then I want to get around those people so that I can see how they live their life and imitate them with mine. It's awesome. It's God's design. I'll give you a couple of passages of scripture here. I quoted one already, Hebrews 6, 11, and 12. Don't be sluggish, but be diligent until the very end. Be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. This passage of scripture is referring to the history that's recorded, all the men and women who have accomplished great things. Their lives are not just recorded for, for good reading or, or, or increased Bible IQ, but their lives are recorded so that we can imitate them. And it's not just them, but every believer. I mean, many of us, our lives have been touched and blessed by those who have gone before us and who have done great things in their lives and in the kingdom and in, in the raising of children and in marriage and family and every aspect of it. Their lives serve as an example as we imitate them. Even Jesus acknowledges this, and I say even Jesus not to, to make it minimal, but to maximize it. Jesus takes the time to acknowledge this, the, the imitation of those that have been successful. When he speaks of a, a learning relationship, he says this, a student is not a, above his teacher, excuse me, but everyone, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. That makes me want to be very careful who my teachers are. Because I'm going to be like them. I want to evaluate the things that I need in my life. I want to identify those who have been successful in those things. Then I want to expose myself to those people for the purpose of imitating them and becoming like them. Go to the Christian bookstore and ask for their section on being a copycat. It's probably not there, but yet that's what Jesus would call us to. I want to give you this final one here and we're going to wrap up. And it's a key to success and advancement. I mentioned that before when we gave our things that we're going to find in the scripture. We've talked about elements of, of attitude and, and making sure that we're separated from anger and having desires and, and filtering our friends and having teachers. And I think that this one is extremely important. And, and it does have to do with your own personal attitude. And, and the call is to think of others first. Think of others first. There's a large Christian movement, and, and it's attracted professional athletes, and, and obviously anytime you get that kind of cultural popularity, those things grow, and, and, and I think it's a, a wonderful thing. So their, their concept and their idea is excellent, and, and what I'm about to say is in no way an attempt to throw rocks at it at all. The, the movement was, was titled, I Am Second, and, and I think, you know, well, I know what they're communicating here. That, that, that others come first, that whether that's Jesus, or, and that's great. Uh, it, it's, it's not as, as attractive to say, I am last. But yet that's the call that we would have. I mean, Jesus said, let the one who wants to be first not be second, but let the one who wants to be first be last. And the last will be first. 
I mean, when to consider each other as more important than ourselves is, is really crossing over from adopting the Christian idea that God is good and he sent Jesus as our Messiah to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, to living your life as he lived, because that's exactly how he lives as an example to us. I'll give you the passage of scripture here for your notes, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. It reads like this, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Don't merely look out for your own personal interest, but look out for the interest of others. This goes on to identify that this is the attitude of Jesus Christ. It goes on to identify the importance of this. And then by the time you get to verse 9, you see the results of having this attitude. And when you get to verse 9, those results read like this, for this reason God highly exalts. It's the reason why Jesus is exalted to the right hand of the Father, and we have a call on our lives to have the exact same attitude and actions, to be just like Jesus, to put others first. As we look to a new year and we have goals and we have the things that we want to achieve, I think it's important for us to, to realize that the goals and the things that we have to achieve don't become the priority one in our life. They don't become idols that we're here to serve. Rather, they're the things that God's calling us to achieve as we continue to serve each other, as we continue to be present to assist, and as we continue to consider others first, as we continue to live out our lives the way that Jesus would show us through his own example. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for us. I've never wished this ever in my life before, but I wish Jared and I had matching jackets right now because that jacket is awesome. I feel like we could, like, dance together. You don't want to see me dance. Jared's probably got some awesome moves. I would be over here praying, Father, send prosperity now. <laughs> I need advancement. I want to pray and I want to ask for, for God to do a work in our hearts and in our lives. I mean... The, the message this morning is, is not just about tips to improve your life, rather it's the, to draw an awareness that the Bible is rich with information and, and direction and counsel for us to apply to our lives in order to see the success that God's called us to. And we'll find that much of his counsel, if not most or maybe even all of his counsel, will be contrary to popular culture. The whole world is kind of pulling in one direction and the word of God is pulling in the other. And as we identify the importance and the priority of the word of God, apply it to our lives, we'll be moved in the direction that is prosperous, that is advancing, that is moving, that is successful. And that's really the point of the message. Not that any one of these points isn't important for us to take and apply to our lives, but to realize that God is pouring everything that we need into our life to lead us in a direction that's exciting, that's fulfilling, and that's successful. And I really want to pray this morning for that to stir an excitement in us. When I consider the joy of, of what is in ahead and in the future, all at the, the fulfillment of God's word and his faithfulness, that produces in me personally an, an energy. An energy to, to continue, to not be bogged down by frustration or hurt or disappointment or loss, 
but to be driven by a fuel that will, will never disappoint, that God is a present part of my life, bringing me into a place of success with all of his wonderful, perfect, loving, fatherly teaching and instruction. And I think when that excitement is stirred in us, I think it brings him such tremendous joy where we don't simply apply things to our life out of academics for the purpose of achieving a result, uh, uh, but rather we're, we're living our lives in such a way that fellowship and relationship with God as our Heavenly Father, bringing His instruction into our life, results in such wonderful, powerful, and joy-filled events. That's what I really want to pray for. So there where you stand, I want to, to pray uh, together. You can be in a state of agreement or a state of receiving, but I want to trust and believe God to stir in us this awareness that he's bringing his word into our lives for the purpose of success. Father, we bless your name and we thank you. We thank you for this new year. We thank you for, for the past that's brought us to this point. We come into agreement with the psalmist that this is the day that you've made. And we surrender our will to you that we will rejoice, that we will be glad in it, that we won't be led by covetousness or, or any other thing, but that we will surrender to your sovereignty and we will ourselves to rejoice in those things in which you are doing. And, and we come to the place where we cry out to you, Father, let your prosperity be sent into our lives. Let Jesus enter in. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let your word, the very word of God, be magnified in our hearts and in our minds for the purpose of leading us to the place of success. We thank you for every word that we would see this morning, but let it bring us to a, a place and draw our attention that there's not any aspect of our life where you don't have perfect counsel, where you don't have prosperous direction, where you don't have a say or an opinion that would bring us to a place of success. And let the success that is manifest in and through our lives by your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, bring you honor and glory. Let our fellowship and our relationship with you be so enjoyable, be so celebrated, that the joy that would pour out from our lives onto those around us would be evangelistic. That many would see and long for that relationship that you've so richly blessed us with. And let them be drawn into your house in the same way in which we were. We bless your name. We rejoice in you. We give you thanks in your efforts in our lives to bring success. Be honored and glorified with every success that comes in and through our lives. We thank you and we rejoice in you in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at jameschurch.com.